Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, our guest is nurse practitioner Stacy Holloway, a certified breast health navigator. First of all, welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. We appreciate our time to talk today about a very important matter. Yes. And- and so, first of all, before we let you start speaking, we yeah. want to find out what a certified breast health navigator is, so we know what your qualifications are for telling yeah. us all this info. So, fancy title, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, a breast health navigator, I try to think about a navigator in terms of really what the word is. So, let's think about that. It's navigating or guiding a ship, this is what the term is. So when we think about navigation, I want you to go back to that really the, the, the whole title is breast health. So a lot of times we think about a breast health navigator just really focusing in on breast cancer, mm-hmm. which is an important part of that. No question. However, we really want to focus in on how it really navigates a community and a person about their breast health. Okay. So, of course, you know, a lady may have an uncertain finding on a mammogram and a breast health navigator then really describes what what exactly is the concern Mm -hmm. taking them by the hand through diagnosis and we always are about praising praises praises when we get a benign diagnosis but say it's not Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about breast cancer I don't know people in our community that I can ask I don't have no one in my family. Mm-hmm. That's where a navigator steps in. Navigator is going to help you guide through those waters, through that diagnosis, and pointing you into the direction of who can take good care of you in this community. So you said, for example, after uncertain results on a mammogram mm-hmm. or after diagnosis. So we're talking about at Williamson Medical Center? Yes, at Williamson Medical Center at Turner de Breast Center. Okay. I get a diagnosis. Then... They put me in touch with you. They go, we're going to call in Stacy Holloway. <laughs> so often that occurs at time of mammography at Williamson Outpatient Imaging. Okay. Yeah. So uh, maybe the mammogram or, or imaging was performed there or at a outlying facility. Mm-hmm. It could be at any outlying facility where then we are connected with um, the individual if there is an abnormal mammogram. So we can come into um, their lives at a lot of different points. Maybe okay. it's even after their diagnosis and they've been diagnosed somewhere else mm-hmm. and they have chosen to come to our center. We then want to make sure that we have been offered as a resource to that person. Okay, mm-hmm. so a breast health navigator. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you want your patients and listeners to know about breast health? What are some of the questions? Because you're... you're educating people A to Z right, right, when they get introduced to you. I really want to really stress the importance of screening mm-hmm. mammograms, how important screening mammograms are when we're thinking about breast cancer and those diagnoses. I can't stress enough how important it is to capture breast cancer at its earliest stages. Mm-hmm. And the way we do that is with mammography, screening mammography. It's capturing those diagnoses before it advances into, you know, different stages where we may have to use different types of treatments that maybe we would not have had to use in earlier stages of diagnosis. The further stages that we catch cancer in, breast cancer in, Mm -hmm. during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, Mm -hmm. that's why we're talking about this especially now. The further stages mean more 
intense, more invasive, more exactly heavy procedures. That's right. It's exactly the further along in the diagnosis, you know, it's uh, our stages. um, It requires more types of particular treatments Mm -hmm. and hopefully we're we're avoiding that because the treatments can be pretty rough themselves yeah so just like with any other type of of cancer there are different types of breast cancer Mm -hmm. so our wonderful medical oncologists in our community tailor those types of treatments according to the type of breast cancer And the stage of breast cancer. Okay, so early detection is key, and early detection meaning early screenings. Or Absolutely. Regular screenings. Means regular screenings. Means an annual screening mammogram. So I know that there are a lot of different recommendations amongst, I call them governing bodies. That would be maybe your um, U.S. Task Force on Health. Um, it's your National Comprehensive Cancer Network. That's your American um, College of Gynecology and Oncology. So a lot of those, uh, and of course, not to forget our American um, Cancer Society. All of those different societies have um, recommendations for when to begin screenings, how often to screen, maybe mm-hmm. even some thoughts on when to stop screening. It's important for you, um, all of our listeners, to really discuss with their physician when to begin screening, how often to screen. There's sometimes we screen earlier than the typical 40, you know. Um, There's times that um, we would really want to consider maybe looking for cancer earlier than what we typically hear out in a community as being that begin my uh, turn 40 begin my screening mammograms turn 40 is usually kind of the the generic one size fits all recommendation right why might one start earlier than that maybe a strong family history of cancer yeah Mm -hmm. so it's important for us to talk to our family members if we're able to do so Mm -hmm. you know what what is running in our family as far as cancer you know and that can help us really think about should we be screening earlier Mm -hmm. say a woman has a family history that um, maybe their grandmother or their mother was diagnosed with breast cancer in their 30s. Mm-hmm. We would might think about doing something different. Ah, maybe start screening earlier yeah, for you yeah, then. Yeah, and other ladies that we think about maybe wanting to do screening earlier, they have unfortunately had to have radiation to their chest wall for other diseases early in their lives. We know that that can increase risk for breast cancer. We might want to consider earlier screenings. And then there's other certain women who know their family history very well and have maybe know to have a gene mutation in their family and they are then recommended for earlier or more customized screening because of that. Or more customized screening, yeah. meaning what? Looking maybe, for a specific cancer? Not really. It maybe is an addition to other uh, modalities of looking at the breast, such as a breast MRI. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So that's a kind of a whole different discussion according to screening. But for women who are known to have a really high risk for breast cancer, that may be an option for them. Yeah. So there's a lot of criteria and a lot of discussion around that. And so it's really important to them to talk to their provider about that for sure. So okay. I would like to just kind of recap that says that saying for me to say, begin your annual screening mammogram at 40 and do it yearly. Mm-hmm. That may not be a one-size-fits-all. So it's really important to talk to your provider about, does that fit for me and my health and my family's history? 
If you've just joined us, we're talking with nurse practitioner Stacy Holloway, a certified breast health navigator at Williamson Medical Center at the uh, Turner DeGaw Breast Health Center at Williamson Medical Center. You mentioned MRI. Has that become a standard in testing for breast cancer or is it still mammogram for most people? So it's still a mammogram. Still a mammogram. So breast MRI, we really reserve, and I always try to think about reserving an MRI for those ladies who we know are at a very high risk for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. It's an additional tool that we can use. And I also do not want to forget that MRI can be also a helpful adjunctive tool if we're trying to discover something that maybe we're not able to define on mammography. So it's used in a multitude of different ways. But if we're thinking about screening, we're really reserving that for ladies who have really increased risk for breast cancer. And why is that? Why reserving that for it? Because it's more expensive? Because it's just one more thing to have to go through if you're not likely to have early an early form of breast cancer? Yeah, so, so that's a really good question. And I say yes to all. <laughs> so it's a, a complex question. Yes, it is an expensive study. But yes, it shows its great benefit. And it's really used as a tool for women who have those increased risks that have really dense breast tissue. Oh. Okay. So, but we also have to step into breast MRI very cautiously. And I always say this to women. So breast MRI is a great, great tool because it is very, very sensitive study. However, it's not the greatest of tools because maybe it's not as specific as I would like for it to be. Okay, so it's a different mode. We're using contrast to take up into the breast tissue and how it washes away. We're looking at the kinetics of how that contrast absorbs in that tissue and washes away to let us know if there is a worrisome enhancement. So say a lady has really dense breast tissue. Mm -hmm. We know there's only a lot of activity there. Then we have to use the great expertise of our radiologist to then compare back to our mammography to say, yes, this area is enhancing differently. So always step into those cautiously because we know that oftentimes we can find a lot of things. Now what are we going to do with it? You know, Mm -hmm. And does it mean anything? Does it even mean anything? And I always ask myself a question. Is this tool going to give me any more additive benefit than I'm already getting from a breast mammogram? Because in most cases, you can see what you need to see. In most cases, you can see, see, absolutely. And you said contrast. Is it where you, do you drink fluids or you have something like that? Actually, it's an IV contrast. It's an IV contrast. So, yeah. So, they make pictures at the same time. So, of course, using a magnet because it's the MRI, using pictures as their um, um, contrast is being absorbed. Okay. Yeah. Just Okay, good. That's I had no idea yeah. what that was about. Yes. Or why it was not used all the time. Right, right. Are there things that we miss when we're trying to keep our breasts healthy that maybe we need to look out for more? Yeah, so when the first thing I think about about breasts missed, I step myself into the provider's headspace. And I'm going into a room and... I've actually cheated. I've looked at the mammogram already. I kind of know where things are a little bit more dense, may where I, my exam may be a little bit more complex. And um, I'm thinking to myself, don't miss something. Don't miss something on exam. Because I'll, oftentimes we put a lot of our trust into mammography mm-hmm. and forget that a very important piece of the puzzle and is exam. Some things that we can miss. So sometimes 
we can feel things, and this is not to frighten our listeners, it's just for awareness. Sometimes we can feel things that we may not can see very well on imaging. Ah. Okay? So what I would say for women, when you are doing your self-exams, don't just look for a knot or a lump. Those are the traditional ways they breast cancer presents, you bet, mm-hmm. for changes in skin. Ah. Look at your changes in your skin. Does it feel thicker right there? Man, that dimple wasn't there okay yeah um maybe my skin looks just a little odd wow my breast kind of looks swollen it's usually not a cup size bigger now a lot of us women are not symmetrical on both sides yeah but this looks a little different Stacey it looks a little different to me and I don't know why so those are the things that I think about when I think about am I missing something Am I just looking for the mass or do we need to broaden out our self-exams? Do we need as providers now talking to the medical community, really making, if you're not making a part of your physical breast exam, how important of a piece that is mm-hmm. to our wellness. Okay, that's really good. Um, what are risk factors for breast cancer? We mentioned family history. Yeah. Possibly if Mm -hmm. your uh, mom or grandmother were diagnosed with breast cancer and especially at a young age that you might want to start getting your mammograms at a younger age, Mm -hmm. your tests at a younger age. So are there other risk factors that we now know about that we need to look out for? So one of the most difficult conversations I have with women as a navigator when we sit at the first time they're hearing their diagnosis, Stacey, exercise every day. I eat right. I cannot tell you the last time I went to a fast food restaurant. I don't smoke. Mm-hmm. I rarely have a glass of wine. And you're telling me I have breast cancer. And that's hard. And that's hard because you're sitting here going, yeah, you did everything right. You did everything right. And still, this happened. This happened to you. So I always try to comfort them to say, we may never know the cause of this. Mm-hmm. There's some family histories that point us that we kind of hinted to earlier, but by far the majority, and this is a good strong point, by far the majority of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer do not have a family history. Okay. A lot of women say, Stacy, this, I knew heart disease was coming up. It was coming. A heart disease was coming because I saw my mama with it and my daddy with it. But I didn't think about breast cancer. And now you're telling me I have breast cancer and I am 45 years old with teenagers at home, right? So we then talk about it, and then we talk about, I may never know the cause. I may never know the cause. But we know that there are some things that can be risk factors. So here I said, causative. Boy, if I knew the cause of breast cancer, I would shout it from every rooftop I could come to. But I don't. I don't have an exact reason. But I know that there's some risk factors that can be modified. Now, can, can I modify my family history? No. But I can modify the fact that, you know, I can exercise. We know women who are diagnosed with breast cancer at later ages, where if we're controlling our, our weight and being becoming more mobile, that can decrease the, in women, particularly after menopause. Mm-hmm. We don't have strong numbers to give on um, decreasing that percent risk, but we know that women who are overweight after menopause tend to have a more of an increased risk for breast cancer. So weight yeah. can be a risk factor. And right. you were talking about exercise. Yeah. What we're finding with, with not just breast cancer, but in cancers in general, movement, decreasing 
extra weight mm-hmm. um, can be helpful. Okay, good. And regular movement has been shown to help uh, health issues across the board. Across the board. General health, you know, decreasing um, risk for diabetes or complications of diabetes, heart disease, all of those things that we think about in our general health where it will be impactful. Even mental health. Oh, absolutely mental health. What we do not give a, uh, enough credit to our endorphins, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. We okay. need that. So weight can be a risk factor. Lack of movement can be a risk factor. And alcohol intake. Oh. Okay. When you know, when I think about risk for breast cancer, yet a not a, a good hard study or percent risk, I can tell you that decreases that risk. But what we're noticing with increased alcohol intake, that can be um, known to show an increased risk and, and a risk factor. So as I'm educating my ladies about breast cancer and risk for breast cancer, and we talk about that and we talk about now maybe I have this diagnosis of breast cancer. Should I be avoiding alcohol? I said, you know... If you are celebrating or having a nice dinner, have your glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But we can't celebrate every night and open a bottle every single night. Mm -hmm. If you are going to a birthday party and we've heard about, you know, some about what sugar can be impactful Mm -hmm. and and refined sugar. So think about this. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life through your journey with breast cancer. Go have that piece of birthday cake with your grandkids. You just don't get to take home the rest of the cake. Yeah. Enjoy yourself, but then go back to those things that we're taught. Eat healthy, exercise, alcohol in moderation, because that is going to keep us healthy mm-hmm. and decrease our risk factors for breast cancer all in the meanwhile. What is alcohol in moderation or what is the yeah. level that increases risk? So what we're looking at are three to four you know, drinks per week and we don't get to save them all up for Friday. OK, so <laughs> just spread it out. OK, so that's what we're kind of looking out looking for. Three to four drinks per week. <laughs> And spread, spread it out. out. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're talking with nurse practitioner Stacy Holloway. She's a certified breast health navigator at the Turner DeGaulle Breast Health Center at Williamson Medical Center. So we're talking about some of the risk factors. Are there others? Are there environmental factors? So interesting to say that. I don't think that we have our full hands around environmental factors. So I just met with someone um, from another county here in Tennessee yesterday, and she spoke to me about when she was growing up, she grew grew up just down the road from some phosphate mines. Mm-hmm. And so she said we would go and visit our grandpa, drop him off lunch sometimes, and we would go back and we would wipe our hands and we would draw on the car our names because of all of the dust. Mm-hmm. She said, Stacy, look at this cancer history. And she brought me in a whole list of these cancers. Now, was it just breast cancer? Absolutely not. It was other cancers. Right. You can't argue with that. Now, do I have this hard, fast research to give you yeah. on phosphate mines or, you know, anything else yeah. that maybe we weren't focusing as much at that time on air quality? Mm. So I'm, I'm looking at that going, wow. Yeah. Now, we are pursuing some gene testing on her because of her family history oh. and her cancer diagnosis. But could I get a negative result with no gene mutation and have this environmental factor in the background? You bet. Yeah. Now we get to sort through that, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. Here in Tennessee, radon. 
is what is a lung cancer risk factor at least. Yeah, right, right. So there are environmental factors. Sure. But we just, yeah. like you said, we just really don't have our our full hands around that. Yeah. And the developments over, you know, in recent years at protection of that and how that impacts going forward. So the protection of. Yeah, for now the ways to detect radon yes. we didn't have before, you know, better quality in our um, envi- our work environments yes. to protect our, our workers. Okay. Mm-hmm. How are we doing with prevention, treatment, and cures for breast cancer? I kind of want to think about as far as prevention and how we have such a ways to go with education in our community about screening mammography. Um, So that's really kind of that, you know, I I would love to say if you didn't do this, this would prevent you from, you know, developing cancer. Just don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we do have are ways to screen and screen early. We have lots of studies done that show if you eat three to five servings of vegetables a day, if you exercise 30 minutes a day, if you do this, that there are lots of things that we can do to try and prevent breast cancer. Sure, sure. But again, we don't quite have our hands around all of that. We don't Mm -hmm. quite have our heads wrapped around all of it. Mm -hmm. And it's not kind of all put together. Like if you do this, you're going to decrease your breast cancer risk Mm by 75%. Right. We kind of don't have it all together. We don't. It's all in different fields and different areas. And you kind of have to search that stuff out for yourself. You do. And then, then there's also studies out there looking at ladies who are under high stress conditions in their life. Whoa. So looking at women who maybe have a um, special needs child at home mm-hmm. or they're under high stresses at work. So chronic stressors. There's also studies looking at what does smoking really do to breast cancer? Mm-hmm. So that's some up and coming research too that would be Really looking forward to reading. And you mentioned so, sugar. Sugar, yeah. Processed foods and sugars. Right, right. So those preservatives. So there's so many things that, you know, we can do our best mm-hmm. to decrease or do in our lives that can can certainly um, decrease risk for not only for breast cancer, but other cancers, sure. other cancers. Eating that high fiber diet, decreasing our risk for colon cancer. So not smoking, of course, you know, not you know, decreasing our risk for lung cancer. All of those other types of cancers are going to get those great benefits as we focus, uh, of course, this month on decreasing our risk for breast cancer. Okay. And then, so we've got that side kind of covered if we're trying to look this up for ourselves and yeah. live healthier and eat healthier and do better. And then the early screening. Sure, sure. Trying to detect. Yeah, trying to detect. You know, and then it kind of pushes our thought then into our treatment. Yes. I think some of our biggest heroes in breast cancer are those that have gone before us and gone through trials, clinical trials. How important that is for then impacting the journey of those ladies walking then behind them. Mm Mm-hmm. So because of those wonderful trials and information we're continually gathering on treatment of breast cancer, that's reflecting in our overall survivorship for Mm. breast cancer. Right. Historically, if you look back and we march through the upcoming years, there's been about a 1% decrease in mortality of breast cancer pretty consistently, specifically from 70s. On, and they, you'll see some literature saying a ten percent decrease per decade. So 
how that is so encouraging for me is because, yes, we're still detecting breast cancer, but now we are better developing more customized. And so think about it. Maybe a lady who's diagnosed with breast cancer, her plan of care is not going to be the same as her neighbors. True, It's not going to be the same as her family members. So they're looking at the characteristic of the cancer. How is it behaving and making those treatments? Therefore, decreasing our mortality rate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good positive. That's a good positive note. I think we needed to hear that because we're working on this and working on that and we're trying to fund research. We're trying to keep the money rolling in so we can do these clinical trials, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded that it's working. It's working. We're keeping more people alive. Right, right, right. What is the takeaway that you want to make sure that people have from today's interview? Yeah, so a couple of things that I um, want to kind of even bounce that off your last comment. October Awareness Month is incredibly important for fundraising, um, keeping those trials going, offering services to uh, ladies and gentlemen going through cancer. However, sometimes October is a month that is not especially a good reminder for a lot of women. It's hurtful sometimes. They might have a lot of what they went through during their cancer battle brought to the surface again. Mm. So what I would urge your listeners is if you know someone who's gone through breast cancer before, whether it be your neighbor, your friend, your family member, reach out to them, ask how they're doing. Just say, you know what? I know this month though is in so encouraging to our community for raising an awareness. And there's not a survivor that I've ever met that is not in support of breast cancer awareness. Let's make that clear. <laughs> but it can still be hurtful. Check on your neighbors and friends. Ask how they're doing. Because sometimes it does stir up those, those memories um, of a very difficult time in their life. Yeah. That's very good to know and very good to remind each other of. Mm-hmm. And let them know that we're thinking about them and right. that they're not having to dredge all of that up on their own and by themselves. That's right. We're here as a community to support them. Okay. And the pandemic, the effect of the pandemic on screenings and testings, didn't we have uh, less screenings, fewer screenings done because of that? Yes. So even some facilities were closed to screenings during when we went into more of that strict quarantine time. Even some what? Uh, Of the breast um, screening facilities. Oh, facilities. Yeah. Some of the breast, you know, screening facilities. And we also saw less wellness exams in our in our primary care offices at our breast center. And I'll be honest with you, Anna, I got in my head a little bit because I was thinking cancer doesn't stop for COVID. Mm-hmm. It's still occurring. Our women are not coming in for their um, mammograms. And I'm worried because a woman who may have an aggressive type of cancer and she delays her mammogram for a year, what impact does that make? I can't even begin to measure it. It could mean the difference between life and death. You got it. So I kind of had to push that out of my head and go, okay, we are going to care for them when we get them. We have created a safe environment for screening. We are sanitizing equipment, sanitizing the dressing rooms, social distancing. Our mammographers are wearing masks and shields. We're making it a safe. And so I urge our community of ladies to come back in. And because we know, as we already talked about early detection. So we saw those numbers drop off. 
we saw them. Now we're re-emerging, re-emerging. So be patient <laughs> as we're getting everybody back in. But we're emerging, and so encouraged to see that people are engaging back into their preventative health. Good. So excited to see that um, because when we screened, we find. So yes, sometimes it can be detected on exams or self exams, but forty around forty percent of the time, we're finding them on screening. So yeah. get back in for your screening. Get back, come back and see us. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Stacy Holloway, she's a nurse practitioner and a certified breast health navigator at Turner DeGaw Breast Health Center at Williamson Medical Center. Thank you very much. Any website for more information in particular? Yes. So you can go to actually to Williamson Medical Center's website okay. and it has a link to our breast center. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. We'll post that link and more information on our Focus Facebook page. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie and that's Focus.